The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, that was a good one, man. <laughs> hey, welcome, everybody. I'm John Myers. Welcome to the winemakers. <laughs> Sitting with my good friends, Bart Hanson, Brian Casey, and Sam Katuri. Sam, good to see you. Haven't How's seen you in a while, buddy. It's good to be back. Excellent. Yeah. And our guest today, fourth generation Hungarian winemaker. Totally awesome. I really like that. And so does my wife. Chavez is a call from On Guard Winery. You want to put Q on it? I leave and all of a sudden there's like all this production going on in this show. Like, what happened? We, it's a good you deal, know, we man. Like, we have a special water pouring to make the... We got, let's, it's, John has too much free time. I, I guess. Uh, hey, you know what? It it's all okay. John, have, you, have you picked... Have you, can we go golfing, John? <laughs> like, get some... Do you want to do this on the golf course? <laughs> nah. Why ruin a good walk, man? Yeah. Playing golf Jeez. so hey Chavo, right welcome wine um it's, it's been a while since i've seen you but we've done three or four different radio shows together over the years and i've always thought your wine was one of the most incredible i've ever had it's just beautiful and i think robert parker says uh, sensational wines all together exceptional gorgeously rich and opulent this wine is succulent, fragrant, and sexy. That's not too bad. I like I, that. I know, and I didn't even have to pay him to say that. Ah, uh, yeah. How much do you pay? What, what do you pay, Sam? You get the same kind of accolades. What do I pay for it? Yeah. Free wine? Yeah, blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. And that's what it really and, and it's is. usually more yeah. tears. Yeah, yeah a lot of tears, else. a small bit of dignity. <laughs> no. Well, and you've got these beautiful scores and everything else, but nothing stands in the way of your wine. That's what it really is. It's like once you taste this stuff, wow, I've been impressed. Yeah, we, we try, uh, Sandy and I um, make the wine together, and we try to create a style that is on guard style. And um, even though vintages are always going to be different, we try to creating a style where you would taste the bottle, even if you do it blind, you would say, oh, this tastes like an on guard. And it's like, damn, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do it's have a, you do have your own style. You know, I mean, it's been very rich. I agree on the opulent part. So, yeah, we um, can I can I start with the Pinot? Pour the Pinot? Absolutely. That yeah. would be my first choice, yeah. too. You mean that big sound at the beginning of the show wasn't you pouring the wine? <laughs> well, what what was that then? <laughs> he was he was pouring the. Uh, that was the stunt wine. The stunt wine. <laughs> I thought stunt I double. thought John was this, checking the microphone level. You guys have changed since I've been gone, man. <laughs> what do you call those sound effects guys? The one for the movies that make all the foley foley, foley art. We have so foley art here on the wine foley art now, man. <laughs> this is sad. Sad. I think we. we <laughs> I think it's cool. Wait a minute. We just had a real pour. Foley, Foley Art Wine probably would be a great name, except you'd get sued by the Foley family. Well, Wait, Wait, Bart's popping too. another cork. Pop! <laughs> Speaking of Bart Hansen. You know, and all I did, I was asked to do a chore. I guess I should have resisted, right? <laughs> no. Sam? Yeah, you gave me. You gave I know, up, I you gave in really seat. quick. <laughs> all right, Sam, pour. 
Real wine. A little, a little Real wine. Short, for. But that's okay. It sounded red too, not like the other one. <laughs> you want the applause on that? You know, we could probably get some science in on it and and find out that the there's something about the density of of wine that makes better sounds when it hits the glass. Than, it is say, different. Another substance. It is actually. Yeah. Sam, yeah. there's actually a unique sound out of certain bottles. You get a better. Or yeah. I remember, uh, I think it was a Cayman bottle where we did, and I said, "Whoa!" It really gave the glug, glug, glug when it poured out of there. So one time we're gonna have to, um, we'll do a show where we just do the sound of wine. Perfect. We'll get the Foley show. The Foley show. We probably have to get high for that one. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to. I've done the show high before. <laughs> we're not supposed to be high right now. <laughs> Oops. We are broadcasting from pouring <laughs> wine. We do broadcast from California, where it's all all okay. We we'll got that cannabis cab out. There you go. Well, you know, it's uh, very you do common make to see wine around. from Bill Hawley's house, don't you? I do. Enough said. Enough said. When we get to that, did you bring that by any chance? Um, the, part, ran, the Random Ridge. The uh, touche I brought. Okay. Which is uh, part of it is from his. Okay. Vineyard. Well, when we get to that one, I want to talk about that. Because yeah. That's, it has a special terroir. There's a special. It's a special place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, should we least. at least back up right now and say Who congratulations to Dane Sellers and Bart Hansen for the incredible scores that he got. <sighs> Thank you, John. And that Appreciate would be. It. Yeah. San Francisco Chronicle. San Fr- right? No, no, no. San Francisco Chronicle will be. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Delayed reaction. Um, <laughs> exactly. The audience is stoned also. Right. <laughs> San Francisco Chronicle um, uh, judging is in January. This is the San Francisco International Wine Competition. Um, I think it's run by Anthony Dias Blue and whatever magazines he is part of. And um, so it's an interesting because they are, it is an international. So California wines being judged against European wines or wherever uh, I shouldn't say you're, you know, it is worldwide and um, yeah, we did well. Uh, the Valeria got a, a double gold, the Cabernet yeah. got a gold, um, which goes to show that I should, you know, not overthink uh, my wines too much. Cause obviously somebody uh, liked it. I've, um, <laughs> on well, online we talked Alba. about this, um, and, and 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 then the Shannon and the new Zinfandel, which hasn't been released, both got silver. So yes, thank you very much. They they did very well. All those are available awesome. online. All those are available. Wait, you make Shannon, o- online at DaneSellers.com. Shannon Blanc. <laughs> Still, you know, do you know that I we've been selling the same Shannon Blanc since we started the Start, show? Since I started that joke? <laughs> well, since yes. we started the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> And it gets better every day. Hey, you Brian know what? Brian because he owns half of it and it's in his garage. <laughs> now, w- Sam, what do you call that in-house consumption? When uh, you just lay it away for yourself? Home, home use. Home use. There home you use. go. Yeah. So, well, who poured the On Guard? Because I'm going for it uh, right Here's now. the, the oh, Pinot Noir. Damn. So tell us about the, the Pinot a little bit, Chaba. Thank you, Chaba. So, Much yeah, appreciated. We, we focus on Pinots and cabs. Okay. Obviously... All the Pinots are from here, Sonoma Coast. Uh, the cabs are Napa, typically high elevation cabs. Um, what I brought today is our top of the line, the, the reserve as we call it. We work with multiple vineyards here in Russian River Valley and uh, the Sonoma Coast area. And these are the best barrels from those vineyards blended together into a, hopefully a symphony. We, we like to uh, 
refer to that a little bit like that. Um, these, this last uh, harvest we just completed our twice harvest. Um, we have harvested from Sonoma Coast, uh, basically uh, Carneros, Pinot Noir. Um, two or three vineyards in Russian River Valley. And also a new addition to our lineup is a Petaluma Gap Vineyard. And also from Anderson Valley, we got a, a beautiful Pinot from top of the, uh, the ridge there, almost 2,000 feet elevation. It's probably the highest elevation vineyard there above Boonville. And it's Roma's Vineyard, all um, pomard, beautiful very elegant, delicate wine. Is this on the sat, like the southern ridge or the northern ridge of the valley? Um, it's the northern. Northern ridge. Okay. Northern. So as you pass Tan, you take a, a road right after Tan to the very top. That's another like twelve miles. It's like right there. where the where the brewery is there, the the Anderson Valley, like up it, that road, up that highway. Yeah, is it the road that Going goes to Ukiah? Ukiah? That goes up to the coal no, ranch. No, this is this is a this dirt is, road. Oh, this oh, is a dirt, dirt road, road. Yes. and and farther and like farther. Um, I don't know the dirt roads of far, Anderson Valley. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. well you <laughs> should learn. Is, is it is it, um, I is it west of town or is it east of town? So you, as you come from here, yep. you pass town. You pass town. So and yeah. then you go just maybe a mile or two out of town when you turn right. And I forgot the road name, but it's uh, dirt road all the way to the top. And Doug Doug Stewart. You know, um, for, from Sonoma, oh, he, yeah, yeah. he owned, he still has his property out there. It's called Lycan Estate now. Um, he had had it as another brand, sold it, but kept his property in. Um, and he's got some higher elevation yeah. stuff out there also. So yeah, it's, they're beautiful, beautiful vineyards up on those ridges. Unbelievable. The view is amazing. So the grapes must feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sam took me up on Norbaum Road. Oh, last year, I think, was when I discovered you can actually turn around and see the city from the up on Norbaum Road. It's amazing. So the views are spectacular around here. And being that here in Sonoma, we're pretty much at sea level, right? So the pop, uh, plaza's like 60 feet out of 60 feet. So, you know, you don't think of it as having 2,000 feet foot vineyards around here, but there are. There and are. it's incredible plenty and it's it makes a, a completely different microclimate when you are up there you're much closer to the gods and i think that makes a there you go <laughs> well now you know you you use vineyards and you source from vineyards in napa valley um ian blessing um was over at promontory the other day remember that guys and in this these wines. Ian, now the wine director of Bouchon. Bouchon. Yes. Now featuring, is that in Yonkyo, Featuring right? uh, oh, 16600 Oakville Grenache on the list. Oh, Bingo. and featuring... Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> featuring Dane Teller. Dane Teller, Shannon Blanc on the... <laughs> let me guess, it, was it a six-bottle order? It, indeed. <laughs> Ian, thank you very much. We appreciate it. But evidently, this... There's only six vineyard bottles for those guys yeah. for promontory. You you go up and down and up and a, up and around, and then you see this beautiful valley that's two thousand feet up, and I think only thirteen percent of the valley he said was planted under vine, and uh, the rest of it is just spectacular. We have to go. We have to go do a remote from. If over they there. let us into promontory, yeah, I, I, trouble, I, here's you know. the you know. Brian's shaking his head. I it, mean, uh, the thing is, is I don't want to go sit with a marketing person from promontory, and I don't think we're going to get Bill Harlan. I don't think so either. And frankly, it's kind of one of those deals where, like, 
uh, was it Groucho Marx who said that he would never want to be a member of a country <laughs> club that would let him in at Promontory? You know, they're letting us in there. <laughs> we don't want to go. <laughs> How much is a bottle of Promontory? Uh, if you eighteen hundred bucks, if you have to ask, if you have I do. To ask, yeah, I do actually have to ask. I think. Yeah, I don't know. So, All right, wait, wait. Let's let's get back to sorry, um, Java. We got totally sidetracked. It's okay. We're talking about mountaintop in, in Anderson Valley. No, we're talking Anderson just in general, right? I mean, it, a lot of what you do is. You're looking for the highest elevation. Well, we're talking about Bill Holly's property, the uh, ridge tops. Absolutely. I grew up in Hungary where uh, it's more suitable for white wine. The climate is cooler. And we always went to the mountains to get that edge. Uh, when you have a slope, you actually have a much better sun exposure. Mm -hmm. the, your heat uh, is much higher that way. And so you are able to ripen those Cabernets and, you know, hardier reds. And that, in addition to that, is the soil, of course, the volcanic or whatever that mountain might be, really adds to the flavor. And that kind of stuck with me as growing up, you know, you just enjoy it uh, for what it is. But then when I moved here, I always look for that high elevation. So I started out on Diamond Mountain first, uh, which was 2,100 feet, and then... I have a higher elevation vineyard now, which is Bill Hollis. We just mentioned his name. That's about 2,400, and it's right on the border of Napa and Sonoma, on top of Mount Twitter. So, in, in for reference' sake, along the Mayakamas Mountain, um, the way that the Napa County Sonoma County line is drawn um, basically is if a, a drop of water flows into Sonoma Valley, it's in Sonoma County. And if that drop of water flows into Napa Valley, it's in Napa County. So, you know, if you're talking about a place that, you know, Bill Hawley's property is like this, Corbin Cameron's Moon Ridge is like this, where, you know, some of the property is, is in Napa County, that means that you are straddling not only that county line, but you're straddling literally the ridgetop. Yeah. You know, you can be on one, you know, one foot's going to drain into Napa and the other foot's going to drain into into Sonoma. Our own continental divide, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. One and foot is worth 50% more than the other foot is when you're standing absolutely. across right. the county line. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so, a big difference. So can we go back a little bit to your background? Your family obviously made wine um, in Hungary. Um, what Did you work for the family business there? Um, how, how did you come to the United States and how did you decide to start your brand here in the United States? Absolutely. I, uh, I grew up in the vineyard and uh, when, when grandpa came over, back then there were no telephones, at least not in Hungary. Uh, grandpa would come over and he's like, so what are you doing this weekend? And if you didn't have a quick answer like that, you were ending and you ended up in the vineyard doing the whatever work. <laughs> you got drafted, huh? Yes. It's kind of <laughs> like the San Giacomo said. Yeah. You know, well, when they were in school, they were at least they weren't working. Yeah, exactly. Or if they were practiced, they weren't working. But They're good athletes. Well. There was always something to do, as you can imagine. I mean, we had fruit trees. We made uh, Odevi, which we call Palinka in Hungarian. And, um, you know, as a kid, you don't necessarily enjoy all that work, but it, I believe it created a really good... Uh, work ethic and then uh, as growing up you know my father discovered like I was pretty smart you know I was good at mathematics and physics and stuff like that so he sent me to college and I studied computer science mathematics and economy mm -hmm. 
So that was my ticket to America, as, as it turned out. <laughs> Cha-ching. There you go. I know. So Well, all the Hungarian winemakers that I've met have been very mm. dedicated, also have a long family history like you do. I mean, fourth generation is, is really something. No, absolutely. And um, when I came to the States, you know, obviously I, I did work in IT and, and uh, followed my profession, my trained profession at that time until I uh, married my wife, Sandy, and she grew up here in Sonoma County. Okay. And turns out she has a lot of friends with grapes. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> and started making connection. wine in the garage. And, you know, after a few years on, under our belt, we were like, who are we kidding? This is really us. You know, we really connected with grapes and winemaking. And our true passion, passion is, is that. And I got super lucky that she's a CPA. She can actually run a winery, a business. Wow. There you go. Smart. So yeah. <laughs> being a CPA, how did she have a lot of friends with grapes? Well, she grew up here in, in, uh, Hillsburg. Okay. So she so, just knew a lot of families that absolutely. were vineyard yeah. owners. Yeah. So like, you know, being a um, CPA, how did she let you go into the wine? Business? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Better question. <laughs> and how, Sorry, I, I, I'm curious about the name because on guard, obviously, uh, you know, as a kid, I'm, uh, it reminds me of like the Three Musketeers or something fencing. when I'm, yeah, D'Artagnan. You nailed like it. Fencing, right. So uh, how did you come uh, come about with the name? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm not a fencer myself. Um, the story actually goes back to the early years when I moved here from Hungary. And in Hungary, we have these uh, wine glasses that are really small, about three to four ounces, and this is not much bigger than that, um, what we're handling today. But in Hungary, we would fill the glass completely full. It wouldn't be like what we do here, you know, huge glass and just a little bit so you can swirl it right. and all that. And um, on top of it, you know, if, if your glass was empty, the host would refill it automatically and that would be just how you roll. So moving here, you know, Busted out those big wine glasses in my American new home, and <laughs> not really thinking about the the size of the pour. I was just doing my thing, you know, like oh, filling wow. up the glasses really, yeah. really heavily. And my friends didn't know what that what hit them. And you know, at the end of the day or next morning, <laughs> I watch should watch out. <laughs> and after a few occasions, they kind of figured me out, and they started covering up the glasses and say, "You have to be on guard around this guy." On guard. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. <laughs> You know, I like that story because I th I can identify with it. Seriously, I like that. Absolutely. So, Joan's got these Hungarian glasses. I think this is what you were there talking you about. Yeah. It's like exactly. you know, a two ounce yeah. pour fills yeah. it up. And it's and when when you had a toast, you had to finish the glass completely. Well, That's and a good actually, thing. I, to to go to a sort of a serious kind of topic, um, the the Hungarian wine culture. Um, and, you know, the California wine culture maybe now are starting to look more similar. But, um, you know, traditionally, you know, clearly two different kind of wine worlds. How did, you know, what was that like? The, you know, not only not filling the glasses to the brim, but, um, you know, as and now, you know, the Hungarian wine culture is really modernized a lot in the last you know few decades. But talk, yeah. can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um I grew up, you know, like what were you and what were you growing when you were in, as a kid? Yeah, so I, I grew up in the communist Hungary, okay. where everything was uh, taken away from private hands and um, the state owned everything, and all the production was basically produced for Soviet Union 
and I like sweet wine and I like more wine. Basically, <laughs> more sweet, more wine. than we could produce. So imagine yeah, okay. how that was produced. Right. So as much as you can and make sure it's sweet. Yes. Yeah. So uh, back then, Tokoyasu was made with pumpkins in the barrel and stuff like that. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go into too many and details. Train but. car loads <laughs> back to Moscow Absolutely. for Christmas. And uh, yeah. my grandfather's operation was semi-legal. Yes, kind of like semi legal. <laughs> For those of you out in podcast land, there's a little like sort of underhanded slide that Java was doing as he said semi legal that really like drove home the point there. All right, go on. It was really a speakeasy. I mean, uh, we. I'm really loving. This I'm shocked. <laughs> I like the story. It uh. it was uh, a few trusted customers, secret knock on the door, and. The yeah. tasting room was the kitchen. The customers would come in, sit down, enjoy a glass of wine. And they would bring their own containers. We didn't want anything to be traced back to us. So they would bring whatever container they had, sometimes an anti-coke bottle. Grandpa would take it down to the cellar, fill it up from, directly from the barrel, and here you go. And oftentimes they didn't even have the money to pay at that time. And they would just create a tab and... Pay, pay when the paycheck came in. Or trade. I wonder, if, wonder yes. if Jordan will let you do that at Kibblestad, you know, when you bring your gallery, and if you could just kind of like have a tab run in there. There you go, your neighborhood corner store. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of trade going on too. Like if you were a carpenter, you, you could work it off or whatever, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, bring when bring chickens, sober. bring eggs, bring whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as uh, Bart just said, um, we were over at Robert Bialy a couple of weeks ago in Napa, and when they started that, their whole key was, you know, it's – under the radar, yeah, selling they, their they wine. Yeah, they ran a they ran a vegetable um, ranch or you know fruits and vegetables, um, and 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 li livestock and stuff. And if you said you wanted a black chicken, then you could get um, some of the wine that they were that making. That was a jug of wine under the table. So, a black chicken, I kind of like that. Well, what was pricing like at that point? I mean, you're just paying by the by the gallon or something. It was a little bit more expensive than water. Yes. A little bit more expensive than water. Interesting. <laughs> and no, and it, it, it was, was, was it also it. sweet wine or was it this? No, this no we, we only produced dry wine. Okay. And um, uh, it was just the rosé. So my grandfather really? would uh, mostly grow white grapes and had probably six wines that were just these wild berries that really tiny, black in color. Huh. And we would harvest everything at once and let it soak overnight with those red grapes and that would give enough color overnight and we would press it first thing in the morning it would be all day overnight pressing hmm. the man i i wasn't qualified at that time yet would stay overnight uh to do the pressing and they would press until when you take the skin out of the press and you stuff it in your pipe if you couldn't light it yet they'd keep pressing wow. keep pressing <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I think they drank more wine than they produced that night. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think on your website, there's a picture of your grandfather pressing some grapes. Yes. And to, for you people on podcast line, this is a manual press. Um, this is not, um, yeah, it's not it's walk up Italian. to it and press a button and no monitor hydra no for two hours. No hydraulics, no, no air compressor. Hungarian wine. Right, yeah. yeah. yeah well, there was a gym membership that came with working at the uh, yeah. at the winery. <laughs> What year would that have Absolutely. been, Java, with your uh, grandfather? It had to be then? in the 70s. Wow. 
uh, that picture. I mean, you come to the tasting room, you can see that. It's a amazing. You can see his focus, and he was always like that. Yeah. Everything. We couldn't uh, waste a drop of wine. It was uh, utmost detail to atten attention to detail. And he was a true grower and a true winemaker. He just loved being both. And I leave the growing to Sam, and I, I make the <laughs> wine. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say something about the Pinot Noir. Um, it's beautiful, isn't it? Very rarely do you get to say that a California Pinot Noir is sort of texturally driven. Yeah. Um, the mouthfeel and the texture and the finish on that, uh, really nice. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, now you're pouring. So uh, apart from Pinots and Cavs, which uh, uh, our main focus, we always make uh, other wines as well, so like Malbec, Petit Verdot. And I brought you guys a Petit Syrah Ooh, from good. here in mm -hmm. the valley. Um, this is the Rossi Ranch in oh, Camwood. We, we know the Rossi Ranch. 115 <laughs> years old, maybe more uh, now. Planted in these vines, uh, the Petit Syrah, some of it was planted in 1910. Yeah. Yes. So 108 years old now. It's a little older than us at the table. Yep. And Not if you add everybody up. <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I love this uh, petite. It's, um, a blend. I blended in a little bit of zin just uh, for, to bring in a little mid palate. And 1% of uh, Grenache, which was super aromatic. And I just love that. You could probably uh, pick it out. Uh, just 1% made a, a huge impact on the wine. There's a little freshness, a little brightness from the Grenache in there and the Zin, like, you get this totally mid-palate Zin berry kind of thing. Absolutely. Framed yeah. by this, like, Petite Syrah structure. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, the Petite Syrah has, you know, a kind of a class. This has a classic to me, um, Petite Syrah taste, you know, that flavor profile. Mm -hmm. Kind of like chocolate and coffee. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. Um, little, yeah. Okay. Well, a little new oak. How much? What's the barrel on this? It was uh, six barrels. Two of them were new. Two of them were new. Because that's just like this perfect little kind of just like caramely touch at the end. Wow. Yeah, we. Um, I don't like over the top petites or even zins. Yeah. It's just too overwhelming. Yeah. And I think this has the elegance. This has a little old old world characteristics. A little mm -hmm. bit of veget vegetative flavors too. Herbaceousness, and. That really is the hallmark of On Guard. We we like to bring in old word, and of course we we want to be California winery. We don't. I don't want to be Hungarian or French winery. Uh, what the name? You might don't want to make bull's blood. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do that, but I boy, have I mean, to come <clears throat> to the speakeasy. Some <laughs> yeah, of the you got to know the secret knock. <laughs> some of the bull's blood I've had has been pretty bad. I mean that that was the first Hungarian wine I had. What and it yeah, scared yeah. me. What, I mean, what's some, bull? I mean, I know what bull's blood is, but what's? It seems like you guys are talking about something else. A Hungarian red wine of the lowest common denominator, I think. Well, at that time, in the communist times, it was. There you yes. go. Now, How did you restored. keep the good stuff away from the commies? That's the question. <laughs> well, uh, the problem was that the commies owned those vineyards, so you, you couldn't do much. You, know, you can't steal much time. from them, huh? But now that 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 era is over you know everybody reached back and and try to um bring bring back the old traditions and quality is much much better now so if you well, go to hungary you can find some exceptional you used to have a blood. bunch of different levels of quality i think like five and now it's uh, now Petu you can only, 
petunias. Yeah. Oh, that's that's for the uh, the, the, the dessert Tukai. wine. The yeah. yeah, the booze, but it's technically a, a kind of like a Bordeaux blend, but it's the Hungarian version of it. So it has to be based on either cake Frankosh or Kadarka, which both are Hungarian varietals. And then there are ten other grapes that you can actually use in the blend. So Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, all those allowed in these blends. But it's kind of like the super Tuscan of Hungary, or you know, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So and so now there is a sort of or going back to a tradition of making those wines at high quality. Absolutely. And it, but really, can you find any of those? In, in are there any anything imported? Or do you have to go there to get it? I haven't seen anything good stuff on this side of the coast. Can you get your grandfather to send us some? <laughs> well, the Tokai wines. I I hear uh, that um, on the east coast you can find you can. way more uh, uh, European, okay. you know, imports. Right. Here it's just we have too much good stuff here. Right. It's, it's hard to compete. Yeah. It's like taking sand to the beach, right? Yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> on the other hand, and the audience is different here too. I think the east coast audience is more. Uh, geared towards the European flavor than we are here, and I think that's that's, that's what I tell people. When, you know, when you're in New York, the wine world in New York, it's it's just as close to Paris as it is to San Francisco. You know, there's there's definitely access to European wine on on our you know the right coast uh, that we don't really. You know, I think you're probably right. We don't need necessarily as much here because there's so much wine here, but um, there's a lot of things that we don't get access to in California because of it. Yeah, right. Well, we're not, you know, they're not surrounded by vineyards like we are. But Right. But I, and most people, you know, for Hungarian wines, they know Tokai, but they don't know any of the other. I, I would love to try some of the right. other Operation, varietals. find some bull's blood. Right? Well, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I like that. Do, do we want the worst possible wine? No, or no, no actually. There's good, there's good bull's blood. Yeah, there are. I haven't oh, seen okay. any around here. Uh, they used to have it in Trader Joe's, which was like a $2 bottle of wine. Uh, yeah, we're wow. not going to drink Horrible that thing. Don't yeah, even we should drink wish that for that. <laughs> Why, Sam? You well, no, no, we shouldn't punitive. drink that one. We should taste that one yes. and then spit it out and drink something good. <laughs> no, pop, but the, the good examples good are unfortunately more expensive and they just can't compete with local wines here. Right. You know, $50 bull's blood is still not as good as a $50 California wine. So. Right. right. Or, you know, it depends on your personal right. preference. For course. the sake of science, I think we should spend $50. That's on what I'm saying. It's just and then we should find out how it sounds when you pour it out the bottle. <laughs> What type of bottle they're does using? Does it sound like water or does it sound like wine? There. But I'm going back uh, next summer, so I can always bring you guys a couple Excellent. of bottles. Well, definitely. Now, where do you visit? Are you were you um, born near Tokai or I, I was born near Budapest? Okay. Actually. What a beautiful city! It is. Ah, it's it is spectacular. The Danube runs right through it. We've got the chain bridge, and we've got that beautiful Parliament building right there. Yeah, I know it's uh, one of the most beautiful settings. Uh, very few um, major cities in the world actually have a mountain in the middle of it and huh. and a river right next to it. Right. It's just a beautiful uh, site. And, you know, the history is tremendous. A lot of beautiful buildings, you know, coming from centuries and centuries ago that just, you know, you, you can spend a week there and not discover everything. And why were you attracted to, to Pinot and Cab primarily? Was it that you enjoyed those yourself or that was something that you just were interested in uh, in making? No, absolutely. It's, uh, I, I never actually was so much into Pinot when I was in Hungary because our Pinot Noir in Hungary was sweet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, 
Like Russians drink sweet Pinot Noir. Right. I think it should be a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a different audience. Back the resistance. Then. Yeah. Seriously. That's, that's no. No but better reason. Sweet Pinot. <laughs> when I moved here, of course, Putin uh, drinks. Right. Uh, Putin drinks sweet Pinot Noir. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you'll know, they'll be serving it at yeah. the White House now. Yeah. Sweet Pinot for <laughs> Sweet dinner. Pinot Sweet Pinot Goes with overcooked yeah. steak. There right. you go. And ketchup. Oh, definitely. Everything <laughs> is well done. <laughs> it can't move on the table. <laughs> but you, you sort of, as a, as a beginning winemaker, kind of went into the highest uh, turf. I mean, you're going into Russian River for Pinot, and you're going into Napa for Cab. So you're kind of setting a high bar there right at the beginning, yeah? I know. Some of my friends were like, are you sure you're ready for this? And turned out that I was. The first uh, cab I made from Diamond Mountain was 95 point by Wine Enthusiast. So and how did you... That kind of justified how, it. Yeah, how did you get those grapes? <laughs> what, uh, you just... Uh, was it your, through your wife? She knew someone that had access yes, to that cab? Yes. I mean, uh, as you know, Diamond Mountain is the smallest subappellation of Napa, so it's super hard and rare to find. Uh, yeah, we had some family connections and... Even with that, you know, it took some begging because um, as as a grower, you, you know, Sam, it's it's your reputation too, who you give your wine, uh, yeah. grapes, yeah. that can ruin your reputation by making inferior quality wine. Yeah. And so, you know, you start somewhere and then to the point where, you know, we, we get vineyards coming to us now and say, hey, can you make our Pinot or Cab in uh, because they know that their reputation is going to so be... you're going to treat it right. And enhanced. if that vineyard yeah. is on the label, they know it's a quality Absolutely. And you're enhancing right. their image. That's yes. a good thing. What's the soil like over there? Diamond the Mountain? Caps, yeah. Uh, Diamond Mountain is a little unique. Uh, it's not a volcano, but it has a volcanic topsoil. Um, I believe Mount Konaktai er- erupted, I don't know, thousands of years ago. Yeah. It a while. Before us. B- before the Rossi Ranch was planted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was tens of thousands of and, years ago. And blew some topsoil on the the mountain there. And uh, the soil actually has these little crystals that uh, you can see. Um, and that's where the name is coming from. It kind of looks like little diamonds in the soil. <laughs> but it's... Uh, and can, uh, in Clear Lake, they call those um, Lake County diamonds, which are a type of quartz. Mm-hmm. And so it could be yes. some of that. Yes. And so it absolutely adds to the flavor uh, in addition to the high elevation, which we talked about. Um, when you above a certain high uh, elevation, you get uh, higher um, ultraviolet uh, radiation that makes the skin really thick. And, and as you know, that's, that's the meat in your soup. That really is what gives you the flavor. And you started off that. What was that first vintage for you? It was the. It was that one 07. wine. Oh seven. Oh seven. And it was only one that wine. That was also a freaking yes. great vintage to start. I know. Being a winemaker in California. <laughs> yeah. Oh, How lucky is start that? Start with the best vintage we've had in fifteen years. Right. Look, Ma, yeah. we got ninety five. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for ninety five points. <laughs> <laughs> Cross fingers for next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh, that year. I only made that wine, and then oh eight, I added. Um, the Pinot Noir, and that was from uh, our Sarki Vineyard, which is in Sebastopol. Oh, nice. Yeah, what great encouragement. I mean, that first wine, you get a nice uh, score off of it. And, and at that point, you didn't have a tasting room, did you? No. Uh, we actually opened our first tasting room probably four years after we started making the wine. I uh, met you when you didn't have one. I remember that. Yeah. You, uh, you've been sharing some space with Mayo in the past, weren't you? 
Or was uh, it? Well, I, I share the f- facility. Okay. I make my wine there. Uh, and I have my own tasting room. It's in Kenwood. Right? Oh, you've got a nice place in Kenwood. Yes. I like it. Right it's between Cafe Chiti and VJB. Yes. We, a lot, we of, share a lot of good places right there. Yes. Um, nice little spots. In it's a good stretch. And then you can end or beginning or begin your stretch at Cafe Chiti, which is <laughs> one of my favorite places, man. Classic. Absolutely. Classic Luca, more birds. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong there. That guy makes the best rotisserie garlic chicken I've ever had. Damn. That's good stuff. Try the calamari sandwich. Bro. Really? Anything with a calamari sandwich? Yeah. yeah, I go calamari sandwich or the tuna. We've talked about this before. The tuna egg salad sandwich on the focaccia. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the guy does, he knows what to do. I mean, those are all his grandmothers and mothers' recipes. We should do our recipes. next podcast over one of those sandwiches from there. I know. Yeah. With some booze blood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're just going to end this one and go to Cafe Chidi and maybe stop it on guard on our way. Hey, no problem. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful day in Sonoma, California. It's, but how it's raining. It's fantastic. I know. I like it. It's, yeah. it's just coming down. It's nice outside. This is a great day for drinking red wine. Yeah. But how did you Java, how did you sell that first wine? Oh, there you Ooh, go. Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, we have a new Foley were you, artist. Were you because if you don't have a tasting room, uh, oh, we, we did eventually. We just uh with Cabernet I do a four year program. Okay. Basically two years in the barrel and two more in the bottle mm-hmm. before I release it. So that it's particular wine, even though it was scored, it wasn't really released until you had a tasting room that was open? Actually by the time we got that score we were almost sold out. Wow. So nice. the score That's came the, later. So that was just people reaching out to you <laughs> through email and phone calls. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, good wine doesn't need a lot of pushing. Right. I don't. I hope... That's gonna no. That's exactly. Yeah, it. Good wine doesn't need good wine. You know, you just gotta get it, get it in the glass, and then people want to buy it. Um, you don't. I, that's. I mean, I actually love that. You know, by the time the night, the great big scores come out, you're you're sold out. It's just a you know, a sign that the consumers are smart. You know, consumers know good wine, and if the wine is good, they're gonna buy it. Doesn't matter what the scores are. It's just nice to when you know the scores reinforce Absolutely. what you know. A, I a I appreciate the awesome. scores. They they really give us uh, good feedback for one because these tasters are really well experienced and I um, don't even have the exposure to all those wines that they taste. Um, however, um, when the consumer sits down in our tasting room, you know they make a judgment for themselves, and you can have all the scores in the world if they don't like the flavor, they're not going to take the wine right. home. And we're being joined by uh, wine taster extraordinaire Todd Jolly from Sonoma's Best. That's a little applause. (laughs) Everybody's giving applause. I can't believe this. Those were tepid applause, though. (laughs) Let's be. Oh, okay. Hang on. Hang on. Well, that's because he's not actually. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Todd. 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 Okay. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the winemakers, man. See, it's Um, always like that. Very chaotic. Okay, uh, so our uh, next wine here is Cab. Yes, uh, cool. my wife Sandy came up with the name Thank for you. this this blend. It's called a Touche, Angar Touche, right? right? It's kind of a play on words. Uh, touche you. means obviously the kill touch in uh, in fencing. Also, it has the soft side of it, which is being touched, and we we really like that metaphor both ways and this is a, a, our top blend that we blend from our all our vineyards in napa 
So we have Howe Mountain, Mountweeder, and uh, Diamond Mountain in this blend. Um, those reviews that you read from Parker is uh, actually about that wine. Oh, it's beautiful. And I love it. I think this was the first I had. I had one of your 07s or 08s. There's, there's something about it. It's, it's um, kind of delightfully classic. You know, it's... it's Ooh. It's uh, ooh, you know, it, it's not. Um, Bart says, "Hand that it's down." It's not there. an over-the-top Napa Cabernet at all. I mean, it has Absolutely. the pieces, uh, but there's still, you know, still freshness. You know, sometimes it's a bad word in cab, but I, I don't think it is in this. It has a this like sort of little rim of eucalyptus in there that kind of gives it a little minty kind of fresh thing that. Um, yeah, I think it's, really nicely. it's just really classic yeah. Cabernet varietal flavors, right? Yeah. Or aromas, at least. I haven't tasted it quite yet. Well, yeah, we, we always classic and want to create complexity and elegance um, versus the over-the-top heavy cabs that uh, highly prized these days. Yeah. It's, I mean, we don't enjoy that, Sandy and I. We really um, appreciate the quality of those wines, but it's not us. And so for us, really, um, that old world spice, you know, and a little bit of complexity really goes a long way. And we can enjoy a whole bottle of this. We don't have to uh, stop after first class, you know. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think that's important. A lot of cabs that I drink are, um, are monsters. But this is nice. This yeah. is actually, and the, the finish is nice and long. And you're right, Sam. It's almost got like a Martha's Vineyard kind of thing going mm -hmm. on. But, and nice acidity, too. This would be, I mean... I don't typically think of Cabernets as food wines, um, but but this one uh, you could definitely call a food wine with that acidity on the back end. Yeah, absolutely, we we don't want to uh, wait forever on the wines. I mean, obviously we we want to get our fruit ripe, but not uber ripe. We want to still carry that varietal flavor, and you know has that you know beautiful nuances of herbaceousness and. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a little orange rind kind of long like that's just kind of lingering on the back of the totally. tongue kind of cool yeah. yeah does your taste differ a lot from sandy's or do you find you're pretty close um we actually do the blending together and sometimes we don't agree you know we, we have all these components laid out in front of us we, we obviously have a little bit of cabernet franc in this and a little bit of petit verdot uh just for added complexity and aroma and when we do the blending, you know, sometimes you don't agree. We uh, and just, you know, I think Who it's does the nature all of the, the time, business. Right? And we don't force each other that oh, this is my favorite, and you you have to love this too. If you don't agree, we just scrap our results and do it again or another time because it has to be a harmonic and and wow. complex decision. Yeah, I find the more people you get involved in a in a blending process that it just becomes more and more challenging and you kind of get nowhere i would actually if i did blend sometimes i used to do some of the blends for the girl in the fig i would come up with it on my own i'd put that one aside and then i'd come up with two or three blends that i really like purposely made them bad and then i would present those <laughs> to everyone and say all right here's the here's the choices and they'd be like oh i really like this one i go yeah that's right <laughs> the thing i, I like your method there though because all the blending sessions that i've ever been involved in um when you land on it it's 
it's almost universal. It's like it, it, it kind of makes sense to every. I mean, part of it is, you know, my opinion doesn't matter as much as Phil and Jeff Baker's. But um, usually it's like, you know, they hand you something and you're and it's like everybody kind of nods in agreement that you're like you nailed it. So if you don't do that, I, I like the idea of just waiting, sleeping on it, it, coming back a week and a half it, later. It won't won't happen every single time. Yeah. And, you know, we're making very little wine. It better be the flavor that we like. And be- between Sandy and I, we try to maintain that balance between the male and the female perspective, too. Right. Because, you know, we don't want to make it too robust or too soft, too elegant. Uh, we want to have that balance. We want to have that ageability, obviously. These caps will last a long time. Mountain fruit is pretty robust. But we want to bring in that component that it makes it light and elegant at the same time. Kind of a comment on the blending thing is in all the experiences I've had with working at, you know, large wineries with big blends or small ones and trying to really kind of refine it is that sometimes you have a very good base and then you just have to try different components where you almost have to go too far. Like you have to go, oh no, that that was too far, and then you yeah. back out of that and yeah. go. Then kind of sometimes you find your harmonious right. thing. And and again, I agree. Also, you you have to go back and re re um, visit the wines. You know, we used to they used to make us up um, sample blends, and we take them home and have them with dinner and stuff, and um, and and try to figure it out. Well, somebody's got to figure it out, and you've done a beautiful job. I mean, I most winemakers don't want to do a lot to the fruit. I mean, they want to let it shine. And so it's kind of a minimalist approach. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have the fruit, get fruit that you don't have to do a lot to. Right, exactly. <laughs> so if there's not some marketing department or accounting department telling you yeah, exactly. um, how it's being made. so Well, think about that. What's the most you've ever done to something, Bart? I mean, what? what's the... You're not going to say that on why not recorded yeah, I mean, radio. There, I know where. Uh, trust me, I know where else? their buried somebody bodies else. are buried. Okay, yeah. I want to okay. hear some of those. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, now you can't oh, the script stories. the truth. Well, what's the worst one? Oh, I'm not getting anything out of him. Nah, How about, well, no, I mean, so here's Sam, this. This was not me directly, but this is an example. the The Benzigers had a thing where. Well, it was they were it, it wasn't even the Benzigers, but they were called to about this trial um, uh, to testify in this trial because Fred Franzia one year sold more Zinfandel um, himself than there was grown in all of the state of California. And so those sort of things, I mean, you know, cooking the books, yeah. and, you know, in in one tank and out the other tank. And there's all sorts of things that go on. I just saw some uh and then taking one Oregon away and Pinot putting them back together. Yeah. That was grown in oh, California. The, the, the copper cane. Oh. Yeah, this is, there's I brought a, a smile to my face yeah. myself. I mean, there's that's a, a more complicated issue that I think we should probably just have a discussion about all the way on a on a podcast. But uh yeah, it's about, you know, late, there's a lot of um ways in which people try and push the limits of essentially labeling law and what you can say on the label and what is in the bottle and and where you can also then make those things to say it on the label um and so this guy in in oregon um you know, now, and now he's gonna, the state of Oregon is going to make it so you can't even sell his wine in the state of Oregon. He can't sell his wine out of the state Ouch. of Oregon. Um, Ouch. 
You know, I think ah, you're going to maybe need to buy some new boxes, dude. <laughs> That's how that one's playing out. Yeah. Well, you know, truth and labeling, truth and advertising, you know, if you're going to put one thing on the label, you got to be able to go back to the um, right. point of origin and prove it. And right. then also you can't all of a sudden start, you know, advertising something. It's organic after it's already been labeled, you know, right. and stuff like that. So, and that's all good things. Those regulations are important. Maybe what we should do is actually just have like a, a labeling law discussion episode where we just talk about what goes onto a wine label. You have a compliance there. person. You have a compliance. It could be either. There's like there's. It'll be only people in the wine industry who have to deal with labels who want to. No, but I, I mean. I think we should talk about what goes on to a label and why and what it all means, because that's something that, you know, the average consumer, even people who are, you know, well versed in wine, don't know why all those things are. They don't know why. And, uh, you know, in 2010, all of a sudden, all the wine that came from Sonoma Valley said it came from Sonoma Valley, Sonoma County. You know, all these little weird nuances and stupid laws that we have to deal with um, that play out in what you see, you know, in your cellar and, and on the shelf at the stores you buy wine at. There's really funny, Sam, I'll bring the, I'll bring the Synquanon coffee table book that has all the labels that didn't get approved. Oh my God. There's gotta be some hot ones in there. There's some super sweet yeah. ones and something like Dennis Hopper in the inside of a car. And they said, Oh, we don't want to associate drinking wine with driving. And so there's all these weird it's reasons. It's crazy because there's a lot of, so, and that's the other thing about this. I mean, we're going way into this conversation, but, should be in its own episode. Um, but, <laughs> but we're there <laughs> really like whether your label gets approved or not has a lot to do with whose desk it lands on in some, you know, unknown office somewhere in Washington, DC. Uh, you know, and there's people who approve labels and read over everything and decide whether you've, you know, done everything right. And, you know, so uh, for example, um, we kept up. We'd always submit our sixteen six hundred labels, and we had no problems. And then one day, it landed on somebody's desk who didn't like the way that we had uh, bold-faced government warning in the government oh. warning, or uh, like it wasn't big enough or bold enough because the rest of it is in all caps or something. You know, just like and three or four years worth of labels that was never an issue. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it gets sent back, and we have to you know adjust the typeface and then go through the. It's the middle, you know, process. So it is really, there's a lot of funny stuff. Yeah. Well, this uh, label is beautiful. I know that. Should we have the last, the last, uh, on guard. Yeah. A little, little dessert. Yes. Well, so, we were talking about a label that came in this morning. We were, you know, it's, it's a new label for an old brand around here. And somebody had some, not sexual connotations, but certainly, uh, you know, I mean, you know, oh, that looks like this. And it was kind of nice you know i mean i i think it's a good label but it's it's, nice. it's certainly not it's, i'm talking about the sauvignon blanc that we had this morning yeah and a, how they've changed it because it's now going national and it's it's a different look but i mean you 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 can't oh i'm sorry that somebody had that reaction to yours because they're certainly going to have the reaction to that if they do you know i mean no nah, you know the whole other issue with labels is when you have a label designed by a marketing department and a sales department and a focus group. It's designed it, for that fact, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it uh, it'll probably in the markets that it needs to be in do really well. Uh, but for people who have a certain idea of what uh, imagery means, um, that label is very jarring with the brand image that they you know. The Benzigers had spent twenty years building, so 
Um, you know, if you if you're in a supermarket in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I don't know, um, and you never heard of imagery, and you see that label on a shelf, probably catches your eye. You probably take a second look at it. You want to go up and then touch the big uh, canyon <laughs> cleavage in the middle of it. Um, but that, you know, it doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't resonate here. Well, no. And the thing about it is, it's this is a wine that it's not a wine. A typical imagery wine. It's a wine that's meant to go in a national market and be sold at a price point, right. and it's meant to be sold on uh, supermarket labels and stuff. I mean, uh, shelves. It's not what the winery was started at. So that's all. It's just kind of. It's just a departure, but it's a, right. an extreme departure. It's so. it's a pretty jarring departure. It is. Yeah. It is. But I, I let's get back to what do we um, have in our glass right now wine. from <laughs> our guest at this moment. Right, exactly. This table. This is our dessert. Being recorded <laughs> dessert with Chavez Lost course. Um, uh, speaking of labels, I mean, I had a tough time to get label on this bottle, too. This is a, a port-style wine, but I use uh, fruit juices instead of grapes. So I use raspberry, blackberry, uh. pomegranate, and sour cherry. And I use uh, grape brandy. Now, uh, I, you know, I was new to the whole label approval thing, so I tried to uh, get the label approved and... It was rejected several times before they told me, first you need a formula approved. I'm like, what? Apparently when you make wine out of not grapes, you have to have a formula. So basically I had to give them my whole recipe how the wine is made, um, including the ingredients and everything, and they would send me back after a period of time. An what, unknown period of time. Right. It could be What I need days, to put on my label. Months. So they, they defined what I have to uh, label my, my wine as. And then uh, the name itself, Magdalena, is, is coming. It's my mother's and my grandmother's name. And so that was an easy choice uh, because we couldn't say port anyway. Right. And this was anyway uh, inspired my grand by my grandfather who made sour cherry wine when I was growing up. And that, that was uh, a dry wine that we always thought it was sweet because it had so much fruit flavor. So we, as kids, we would always get into trouble drinking With that. drinking the sour cherry <laughs> wine. So, I mean, that's, this wine has so much fruit flavor, it's really amazing. And so, did you actually ferment the um, fruit? And did you ferment it to dryness? Or how, so how did you make this? I actually purchased fruit concentrate. Okay. So it comes at 68 bricks syrup which is super, super high sugar content. So I add some water back into the mix. Obviously, I don't dilute it to the point where it would be a, a regular strength. Right. And that's why I buy the, the concentrate, because the regular strength juice would just make a social wine. It would be right. too light for a port. Right. Not enough intensity. Yes. And so this is about twice as strong as the regular strength that by the time I dilute it. And I start fermenting, just like you would make a ruby port, basically, right. at that point. And I add the brandy. To stop, to arrest the fermentation. Absolutely, and there yeah. There you go, yeah. And I get brandy from St. George, uh, real high quality. I don't get the aged brandy. I get the the, uh, the white brandy. Right. Because I don't want to have that brandy flavor right. competing with the fruit either. So it has... Um, you know, I try to preserve the fruit flavor as much as possible. Yeah. The only other time I've experienced making any sort of fruit wine was at, at Benziger, we, or Imagery, they did a wine, it was called Code Blue, and it was 50% Syrah, 
and 50% blueberries. And we actually co-fermented them together. And it was really interesting because during the, then the whole idea was to try to make a wine that was high in antioxidants. And it it really had this amazing, (laughs) like blue flavor, all blueberry flavor all the time. Until it spent time in the barrels, and then the blueberry kind of went away and just was kind of there as a hint, and the Syrah took over it. Yeah. Um, that's why I was wondering. This didn't have the tannin to hold up to. Well, and Sam, when you were in. telling me about your your um, Viognier co-ferment with the Syrah, where you took the frozen Viognier, it reminded me because that's what they did. They got the blueberries from Sarah's ranch down the road, right, right, and then they because they didn't come in at the same time. They so came then in, they in just, August. Yeah, they right. just froze them until until they had the Syrah picked, and then they just threw it in there and and co-fermented it. But it, it actually the the aroma on did that the, wine was amazing. Did I mean, you it, crush the blueberries? No, no. Just, just threw them in whole. Yeah, we, we just threw them in whole, and it was great because tours would be come through and we'd leave that tank open and <laughs> people would go, "Look, they look just like blueberries." <laughs> we go, "Yeah, don't they? Don't they? Funny, <laughs> funny about that." But the skin is so thin on those. That yeah, breaks. it just breaks up. And yeah. I mean, how much juice is in a blueberry? Not that much juice in a blueberry, right? You'd be surprised, I think. You know. Honestly, anybody ever had blueberry juice? <laughs> blueberry <Yeah>. wine? <laughs> blueberry. You'd be surprised. You squeeze one of those things. You need like a whole. There's like you need a, a gallon, measuring cup. A there, gallon. Right? A gallon comes out of there. When, it's like a Willy Wonka I, thing. <laughs> so Chava, we all always ask everybody, "What's your favorite wine?" If you have to have one, besides the one in your glass right now, but um, you know your your favorite my de- mood, of desert course. island wine. Well. um Depends on the mood. Uh, winter, you know, rainy day like this, I would totally reach for a hearty cab. And in the summer when it's beautiful, sunny outside, a nice Pinot. That's just, I mean, I drink Pinot with too, my yeah. steak. It's just a gorgeous Pinot. I normally drink a Dane Cellars cab with the steak. So that's that's our thing around here. So, I mean, I think that's a food wine, right? You know, it's perfect. So. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, how do we how do we how get do a hold we, yeah, of yeah, how do we get go. a hold of uh, on guard sellers? How do we where's the tasting room? What's the website? Facebook, Instagram. So we have onguardwinery.com online, and there is a shop there. So we have a few select wines that you can purchase. And right now, we still have some. We, we did a little bit of uh, Black Friday thing going go. on black friday cyber uh, we don't ever discount our wines but uh, you can get some good deals this time um and that's still on so until i get right. get myself to uh so you well this doesn't air <laughs> until friday so you gotta you gotta leave that you gotta leave that going until <laughs> at least saturday okay, or okay. sunday right, anybody who that. calls and get orders wine now you can get it right oh, that's all call up and say we heard that there was a deal on the podcast can i still get it even if it's six months from now because the podcast lives forever <laughs> you know though it's really amazing how many people have been doing that you know we had uh, was, i think roger randall who was uh, or dave hayes who was immediately out buying some of the uh no how uh, about the guy last week yes jeff who Keep yeah J- and where did he come from and he's like on the podcasters tour of he Sonoma. went to every he went to every uh i guess they live in every place we're talking live in about. arizona they live in uh, like phoenix and they went to they went to the girl in the fig they went to they came to 16600 they basically like every winery that we talk about they went and visited Kieran Robinson all over excellent yeah. they did a tour with wine zulu on yeah. tuesday oh, that's right. i was that's right yeah, yeah exactly i was supposed to do that tour <laughs> but i 
I was sick and I made it to the the show with Raj at the Roan Room on Monday. Which is a good show. But I couldn't I couldn't make Tuesday, so they Mark took him out and then took him to uh, I think they went to Anadella State, went to BYS, and then went to Petroni. Again, um, but but they were listeners of the podcast. Yeah. Mark Mark said, "Did you mention the the tour on the podcast? Because I got this call from this couple." That's I said, "WineZulu.com, yeah. uh, Z-O-O-L-O-O.com. If you want to take a <laughs> kick-ass tour, it's guided by Psalms Zulu um, Tours. Yeah, on guard. Uh, we go on guard right- winery. What?" What's the exact? OnGuardWinery.com. Okay, perfect. And OnGuard is spelled a little different. It's French, of course. So. E-N, capital E-N. G-A-R-D-E. 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 Perfect. Cool. Hey, get some of these. They're beautiful, man. Just make sure Java doesn't fill your glass to the brim. Right. <laughs> Which he's going to do. <laughs> more than, more than three times. More than three times. Only, no. twice. Yeah. <laughs> Only twice. Well, you know what? Here, Chava. I'll take my Hungarian glass. Why don't you give me a Chavez a call pour? You okay. want the port in that? Sure. No, well, that's going to kill me. That's going to kill me. No, no, no. We have to record another show. Maybe we should just put, where's that water pitcher? Go back to tab, and you can pour me a Chavez a call on card, man. On card. Oh, touche. There you go. There you go. I'm glad your wife is right over there to see that it's not us Right. <laughs> that are doing this to you. What do you think? As I'm he, the bad as influence. He, as he here? holds the full glass of wine over our board, <laughs> it's perfect, man. Look at that. There will be uh, no Sam, podcast next Sam, week. Give, give me a, give me a, a good shot there, buddy. Let's, 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 the the perfect Hungarian glass. <laughs> there we go. Hey, thanks, man. Ed, we need some. We need some new equipment out here in California. <laughs> Ed doesn't buy the equipment for people. You know, so. Well, hey, Chava, thanks so much. Thank you. About this time during the podcast, I always kind of kick it over to Brian and say, what's going on? I I got my two bits in. I'm I'm good. I got my plug in. Yeah, no, Bart won all his awards. So if you want to buy some great award-winning wine, you can go to uh, danesellers.com. And uh, also, Sam, I thought was really cool. You know, um... I, I need like a cue or a light or something. <laughs> you got to tell me when that stuff's happening. Um, Sam, you know, Sondra and I sat down with Preston Raisin yesterday and did a little interview. He's from Sonoma Broadway Farms, and, and I was on his website. And every wine photo that he has on his website uh, features a bottle of 16600. Oh. So I thought that yeah. was uh, neat. That's I totally knew that, right? Be- yeah, I, did, I, didn't know, I didn't know if you knew that or <laughs> not. No but, uh, but And beautiful photos, too. Yeah, so, uh, they're doing cool stuff out there at Snow Broadway Farms. Yeah, yeah, for right. sure. Well, and especially they're pouring your wine, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> or at least taking pictures of it. Um, and then um, winezulu.com. And, you know, Todd is sitting next to us. I'm sure we'll talk to him in the next uh, podcast. But if you want to get some, some great wine. Todd, is this, you have some 08 champagnes, is that? A thing yeah so that should be enough right there if anyone wants to the 08s were released and um um i know i know people that really i know we wanted some at the hotel but we pulled the trigger a little bit late so um if you if you really want to get some stellar vintage champagne um go see todd over at sonoma's best so 08 and because 07 was a vintage year in champagne also right uh 08 06 8 9 Um, but 9 was released already and then uh some of the 8s they held on to for a little bit but they're starting to make their way out and if and if you didn't basically pre-purchase and uh, todd must know people (laughs) because <laughs> I saw him Instagramming some of those uh, uh, vintages. A, a benefit of climate change is going to be more vintage champagne. We we Maybe. had a brief talk about this. I don't know if you were on the 
on the podcast when we started. Oh no, you were there. Yeah, it was yeah, at with, the with tasting Isabel. house yeah, with yeah, Isabel, yeah. and yeah, it's gonna be some. I mean, yeah. that's one of the things. There'll be, there'll be. Yeah, champagne from Australia, right. Riesling from Bordeaux. I mean, Can't it's wait. it's all gonna get crazy. <laughs> champagne from London, from England. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be strange. So. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's all I got, John. All right, sounds good. Job is a call from On Guard Winery, old friend. Thank you so much for coming back, being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was yeah, a lot of fun. You. Much appreciated. Oh yeah, that's the number one thing. You got to have fun doing the podcast. Drinking so. wine and you know. Oh, <laughs> skip you know, lunch. <laughs> you Sam just got back from New York and Chicago on a sales a trip. But I saw you out. Weren't you in New York doing a big tasting? We were. Uh, we got. Uh, it was a high honor that we were invited to the 40th anniversary of the uh, Wine Advocate magazine, Robert Parker. Oh, nice. And, yeah, uh, that's yeah, a good thing. It was uh, whoever, you know, cans in this business was there. And um, us being there as a newcomer really was a high honor. And we really appreciated the opportunity. Well. We appreciate it, too. So thanks so much for being on the uh, winemakers. And hey, everybody, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening so much. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, John.